good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, Kelly, thank you for sharing. Uh, for those of us that were here, I know that this might uh, not go um, into our normal streaming uh, throughout the week. You know, we only share the sermon portion, so some people listen to this after the fact and missed out on what Kelly Bach just shared. Uh, but I love that because it's so true that we are a church. Uh, that needs to tell the full story of God. And so take every single one of us stepping forward to seeing how we see Jesus, how we experience Jesus. And in this season, as we move forward, we've got to not only commit to doing that together, but we've got to do that far more than just on Sundays. We do that in our small groups. We do that as we serve alongside one another. And as we do that, it's going to take the whole church to tell the whole story of God. As we gather here on this Mother's Day, as Kelly shared a moment ago, what a spectrum of emotion on this day. And here's the great thing about church. It's not Hallmark. Okay, we're not going to gloss over things. We're not going to sugarcoat things. Uh, you don't have to be the perfect mom. You don't have to have it all together. Uh, but even as we gather in this place, we know that on this day, it, it conjures up a full spectrum of emotion. For some of you, it's your first Mother's Day as a mom. And you're just so filled with joy. You've been always the one celebrating your mom. And today's the day where you feel that you get to be celebrated and we rejoice with you in that. Some of you, you've brought your mom with you. You're squeezing their hand right now. Uh, the fact that you can be here together and to share this moment with them is so special and so rich that you've got presents for them, you've got lunch planned, you've got the day planned. Some of you, you're thinking, oh no, I've got to get the gift. It's Mother's Day. Your Amazon cannot ship quick enough. Um, and some of you, I know, I know that today's a hard day. You've lost a mom in this past year. This is the first Mother's Day without her. Some of you have longed to be a mother, and still you wait. Some of you have lost a child. I know there's some of you who are listening online right now because you couldn't bear yourself to even be on campus on this day because it's so emotional. The beauty of Scripture is it tells us that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those that mourn, and we as a community, we want to do that. And as you bring the fullness of yourself, know that you don't have to have it all together. But know that if you are rejoicing, we rejoice with you. If you are grieving, we grieve with you. And there's no strength that I've found in this world, in our own journey of infertility, in our own journey of loss, in our own journey of all the things that we've experienced, there is no resource that comes anywhere close to God's people, empowered by His Spirit, filled with love and truth and grace and mercy. And so we want to be a church that doesn't just kind of gloss over things and have nice, easy messages, but if you are anywhere on that journey, we want to walk this journey with you. And as we do so, we look to Scripture to guide us, to inform us. In fact, we're starting a brand new series talking about four different attributes of God. And the first one on this day, we're going to talk about the God who is love. And some of you, perhaps you need more strength, you need more resources, you need more access to a deeper source of love because you feel that you've got nothing left to give. Some of you, you're looking for someone else to give you love and it's not coming and you need it desperately. Wherever you are, if love is a need that you have and if you are alive, if you have a heartbeat, you absolutely need love and we think of it in different forms but we're going to find the greatest truth of what God provides to us. The scripture says that God is a God of love. But it's easy for us to oversimplify that, to reduce it, to restrict it, to kind of categorize God's love with how much we love our yoga pants or our golf clubs or our cheddar cheese sandwich. I mean, we use love a lot. But what is this love that 
spans not only all of eternity, but can reach into the depths of our lives and absolutely transform us. Let's take a look at Scripture. If you have your Bibles, maybe you brought them with you, maybe you have them online uh, on your mobile device, or if you have that red book in front of you, that's our Pew Bible, we're going to turn to a section of Scripture. In fact, it's in Psalm 136, and your Pew Bible's on page 501. And as we do so, I'm just going to read for us the first three verses of Psalm 136, just to get us started. And then we're going to dive in in this month-long series that we're calling Long Exposure, which I'll unpack in a moment. But let me read this for you. Psalm 136, verses 1 through 3. And it'll be up on the screens as well. We're in the New Revised Standard Version. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His steadfast love endures endures forever. This, my friends, concludes the reading of God's Word. So in 1 John 4, verses 8 and 1 John 4, 16, it says very succinctly that God is love. And it's so easy for us to just look at one verse in Scripture and feel like we've got the whole thing figured out. In fact, it's very easy to look at one verse and say, okay, that's what God's love looks like. And then flip somewhere else, maybe somewhere in the Old Testament, where God's being a little wrathful, where there's some punishment, where there's some uncomfortability, and say, well, that's not love. And then you look for this verse, oh, that, well, that's love. And then you look somewhere else, you say, ooh, that's not love. But Scripture says that God is a God who doesn't change, that God is a God who's the same from beginning to end for all of eternity. And in fact, we can actually borrow from another field of study to help us understand actually how to approach God in this way. In fact, photography. I love how you can take a still photograph and you can actually change the settings on a camera so that you can catch a hummingbird in flight and it looks like it's not even moving. I mean, it's amazing that you can do all the things to actually just split second, just capture just a moment But then you can change the settings with the exact same camera and get images like this, a waterfall. And it looks, I mean, almost just like cotton candy. I mean, the way that it's spilling over, it it almost looks like it's, it's, it's been enhanced after the fact. But what this is called is called long exposure photography. Take a look at the next one. How amazing. You'll never see that with your own eyes. The movement of the stars across the sky, well, I guess it's really the earth rotating, isn't it? But with long exposure photography, you can actually get a sense of the breadth and the broadness, the brightness and the movement of light. Take a look at the next one. I love these shots. The busyness of a city. All those lights or cars. You've seen these photographs before. This is called long exposure photography. And what's so amazing, you know, I look at the skyline, I think that, I don't know if that's Los Angeles. Is that Los Angeles? Yeah. And the buildings aren't moving. You can see the moon up on the right. That hasn't moved. But the, the streaks of the freeway along the road, there's things that have to come together in order to get a photograph like this. The first is this. You've got to stabilize the camera. It's got to be on a tripod. 
What's not going to work is if you are holding the camera. Even if you're trying to hold it as still as possible. Even if you're like cool as a cucumber, like, I don't shake. It's not going to work. In fact, the image will have noise in it. That's the technical term. Because if the camera is moving, you'll learn the other steps in a moment. If the camera is moving, if it's not still, it can't capture in clarity the broadness and the beauty and the movement of a light that comes pouring in. So first, it's got to be absolutely still. The second, I mean, I guess you've got to take the lens cap off. That helps, right? But there's this thing called aperture. The aperture has to be really high. You see, with a low aperture, it only focuses on one thing and everything else is blurry. You've seen those photographs, right? Like somebody up close and everything else is blurry. Well, a high aperture, a high f-stop actually has the surface area, the, the total area in the frame, all of that can be in focus the higher you go. It's also going to have a wide-angle lens to be able to take in as much of the view as possible. And find, this, is, this is what's so amazing too. The focus... You don't just focus on what's in front of you. You actually set the focus to infinity. And the final step is the shutter speed. This is so fascinating. Unlike the photograph of the hummingbirds, which have a very quick shutter speed, to capture the flight in that specific microsecond of a moment, when you have a long shutter speed, five seconds, of 30 seconds, of an hour, to 24 hours where the lens is open, where it's receiving the light, you actually then begin to get the whole movement of constellations, of waterfall, of lights through a city. You see, with a snapshot photograph, you get a moment in time. With a long exposure, you get the fullness of the movement, the fullness of the story. The same is true when we approach Scripture. You could take a quick snapshot look, one little verse, and yes, it's true, but is it the full spectrum, the full majesty of all that's revealed in Scripture? The first thing you've got to do, what is it? It's to be still. I don't know about you, but my life is so frantic. I am on the go. I am go, 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 go. And we live in a world that actually kind of, even in the Christian world, actually helps kind of like come alongside you in your busyness rather than says, no, you actually have to be still. And so now there's things that you can get. You can get, you know, text message verses to you. But now, true story, you can get a text message Bible word of the day. Today's Bible word of the day, the, I'm done. Oh, it's too much. Okay, tomorrow I'll get back at it. No, you've got to be still. How on earth can you take in the fullness of God's love on the rush, on the go? You've got to be still long enough to actually spend time in God's Word. I know somebody, and he's not, he doesn't like tell this to people all the time as like a source of pride, but I found this out about him. Every Thursday night, he chooses not to go to sleep. And rather, he spends time reading Scripture. He'll read like the entire New Testament overnight on Thursday night. For some of us, it takes us years, years to get through Scripture. Some of us, we, we, we've never gone through Scripture before, and yet he has chosen 
For him, it's such a high priority. He absolutely needs it. I have desperation. He chooses to be still long enough where he can begin to take in. Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world, the truth of who God is. But remember, you have to have a wide angle. That's why we preach and we read and we trust all of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. We can't pick and choose. We can't say, oh, we're just a New Testament church, forget the Old Testament. No, all of it is the same. And actually, if you take a step back with that wide-angle lens, when you can actually have your high aperture and focus on all of it, not one verse at a time, and you can see multiple truths at the same time throughout all of Scripture, it begins to get richer and deeper. You don't focus on what's just in front of you, but you focus on infinity, all of eternity, and you set your shutter speed to the longest possible setting. And you say, God, would you pour into me every day of my life the truth of who you are? May I not just look for these snapshots of your love, but may you pour into me through your word, through your people, through all of creation, through your spirit, who you are. This God of love. So let's just take a little dip. A little, let's, let's dip our toe into some long exposure look at God's love. I can't even do it in the 10 minutes that I have left. But I hope that this gives you a hunger, a desire to spend more time in Scripture. In fact, some of you, just show of hands, how many of you walked in with a cell phone today? You got to put your phone down and put your hand up. Okay, there you go. <laughs> now, know that online uh, there's this great free app whether you're an Android or an Apple user, it's called the U version. Let me hear you say U version. It's like you, like you, not the letter, but you. Y-O-U version. In fact, if you go to the App Store, you can simply search Bible. It's the top one. And what I love about that is that not only does it have all of Scripture at my fingertips, but also there's Bible reading plans for men, for women, for families, for couples, for new believers, for skeptics. In fact, there's one that launched today for mothers. So if you don't have that, start downloading it right now. I think we've got pretty good Wi-Fi in here, free Wi-Fi. Seriously, download it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's, there's nothing actually that I believe replaces the actual hard, cup, hard copy. If you don't have a Bible, there's that red book in the pews. Take it with you. Seriously, take it. It's not stealing because I just permitted you, take it with you. I'd rather you have it than sitting here in the pews. We can replace it for next week. But let's take a look here. I read for you 1 John 4, but let's, let's skip ahead to Psalm 145. I want to I show you why it's absolutely necessary to have a long exposure view of God's love, because if we don't, we will simplify it, we will reduce it, we will restrict it. So this is Psalm 145. I'm going to read for us verses 14 through 16, just really brief, real briefly here. All right. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. Now, let's pause there. Now, theologians call this common grace. There's this truth that if you live on this planet, that God loves you. That He extends His compassion and His care. And if you're listening online or if you're here today and you want nothing to do with God, but you're going here because your mom says, I, I, for Mother's Day, I want to go to church, and you're here and you can't stand God, you, can, you think that this is all a hypocritical thing, I want you to know that God loves you. 
And Scripture, from beginning to end, actually describes in great detail that the very fact that you can breathe, the fact that you have food, the fact that you have relationships, even though they're broken, the exact distance that we are from the sun, the speed in which we spin, actually the, the, the gravitational pull, all the things that are necessary for life, all of those things are because God is a God of love. It's common grace. It's not common in the sense of common in everyday practice. It's common to all people, this great and glorious sustaining love. Scripture says that the rain falls on both the wicked and the righteous. Now, in California, we think that rain is a bad thing. Well, I guess in the drought, we know that it's good. But basically, the Scripture says that God provides for all people. And if you look around and you look to your workplace and people who aren't believers are getting promotions and you say, well, what? They don't even love God. I love God. How come that's not happening to me? Well, that's because we live in a world of common grace, that God extends love and care and compassion to all people. That's a, that's a popular thought, isn't it? Well, it's true. It's, it's actually what Scripture says. But let's keep reading here. Let me go to verse 17. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Now, it seems like there's a turn here. Same psalm. But this begins to get into another aspect of God's love, which theologians might call God's saving grace love. Clearly, it says here that God loves all people, but also He loves those that fear Him, that trust Him, that put their faith in Him. And there's something very true about God's love, that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that there is a special love that God extends to you that will stretch for all of eternity. That God looks at you and says that you are my beloved child, you're part of my chosen people. God gives you resources and gifts spiritually. That there's actually a unique and special kind of love that is only true and only reserved for people that put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, both of those are true. That's why we have to have a long exposure view of who God is. Because some people, they don't take the long exposure view. They like the part of God's love that is for everyone, the common grace love. And they only look at verses that have to do with that. They feel that that's what God's love is. But the problem is, is that if you just focus on God's common grace love, that God loves everybody, which he absolutely does. But if you only focus on that, then you actually reduce God's love. Because then you just have a God that lets everything slide. You have a God that doesn't care about injustice, that doesn't get personally involved. You have a God that doesn't care that you would grow. You have a God that says, oh, you, you do whatever you want. It's okay. I love you. If you just focus on God's common grace love. But then on the other hand, if you focus just on his saving grace love, then you actually begin to restrict his love. Because if you just focus on that, you actually, you think that God only loves you and not people who are unlike you. You think that God only loves people that fit in your nice, neat little box. And you can begin to be very narrow-minded and say, oh, they, they, they vote differently. They look differently. They, they, they talk differently. They go, they, all the, they have, no, 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 I'm loved. They're not. 
You see, both of those things are very dangerous. And there are certain churches that actually really cater to this broad view of God's love, and they only talk about that. And they miss verses like, God, it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to what? Repentance. But there's some churches that are certain, so narrow where they say, oh, it's just us. We're right. They're wrong. There's this bigotry and there's this hate and there's this exclusivity. And they miss all these verses where God calls us to love all people, to pray for those that wrong us, to seek the good of those that wrong us, to even love our enemies. You see, we have to have a long exposure view of God to just, to just understand his love. You see, yes, God loves all people. And yes, he has a special love, a saving love for those that put their faith and trust in him. And then to make things even more confusing, take a look at this, Psalm 145, verse 20. It's Mother's Day, get ready for this. Verse 20, the Lord watches all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Like, Drew, it's Mother's Day, don't say wicked. Don't say God will destroy. I'm trying to get my mom to come to church. Or mom, you're like, I'm trying to get my son to go to church. Don't, 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 don't go there. Don't go there. What do we do with God's wrath? If God is a God of love, what do we do with God's punishment and God's judgment? What do we do with that? Well, if we have a long exposure view of God's love, if we have a wide angle lens, if we're actually still long enough, if we actually read from Scripture beginning to end, we'll actually get to verses like Ezekiel 33:11. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want, but let me read this. It says this, God speaking, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather I long that they would turn from their ways and live. So turn, turn, God begs, turn from your evil ways. You see, sometimes the most loving thing you can do is to punish someone you love. And I know that's so unpopular to say, but you know it's absolutely true. Moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When your three-year-old is sprinting out into a busy street, you don't just say, I love you, do whatever you want. That wouldn't be loving. You raise your voice. You run out there. You grab their hands. You pull them aside. You speak sternly. You see, don't you ever do that again. You see, if you have just a quick shutter speed of that moment, you'll say, oh, what an awful mom, what an awful dad. No, that's love. You see, when you love somebody so much and they are ruining their life, when they're being absolutely destructive. If you didn't love them, you wouldn't care. But it's because you love them that you get angry, that you get sad, that you actually withhold things to help them. If you've bought a car for a child and they keep crashing it, it would be unloving to buy another car and hand them a new set of keys, right? One of the hardest things that I ever saw a mother go through was when she had to call the cops on her son. And how hard that was. After many years 
of begging, of pleading, of setting consequences, of trying to get help. And I remember her saying to me that it was her last choice, that either he was going to kill himself or kill other people. So she called the cops, one of the most loving things I've ever seen. And we're imperfect people. Humans are imperfect people. You see, in our parenting relationships, we know that love and punishment can coexist. But in a perfect God who can love perfectly, who says that I don't take pleasure in people experiencing the consequences of their own brokenness, the consequences of them going their own way without me, You see, we have a God that is so perfect that every time you read in Scripture, God who is a God of wrath, or if there's anger, or if there's punishment, it's all because of God's love. And what's so amazing is, as you look from the beginning of Scripture all the way through the end, there is this amazing source of God's never-ending, unrelenting love. Open those Bibles back up. Last verse, John 15. This is Jesus here. I could spend hours going from verse after verse. This is the last one I have for you. And I'm going to have us take a look at John 15, verses 10 and 11. Jesus says this, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. Now, let's just stop there. If you just read that, you might think, God, what? this Jesus guy, he just wants our obedience? He just wants us to do all these things? I mean, come on. But if you have a long exposure, just for one more verse, open that shutter speed up for one more second. Verse 11, Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And what I love about that is it defines for us, it reminds us what godly love is, true love is, life-transforming, ever-changing love. We know that love, it's not a feeling. We know that love is actually more than actions because you can just dutifully serve and not have it be loving. But one of the best definitions of love I ever heard was this. And some of you are taking notes, some of you might remember this on the spot. But the greatest definition of love is this, is that when you get to this place where there is no greater joy than the joy of giving joy to somebody you love. Now, let me slow down and say that again. There's no greater joy than the joy of giving joy to the one you love. Moms, you know what this is like. Because I know that you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. You want the joy of your children. You want the peace of your children. You want the hope of your children. And you will not rest until they're experiencing that. And so what do you do? You lay down your life. You, you sacrifice. You restrict the things that you want. You do all these things and again and again and again. And it seems to be that, that a motherly relationship or a parenting relationship speaks that better than any other relationship in this world. Because even in a marriage relationship, it often begins of this like, there's this attraction 
and there's these kind of mutual benefits. But when you become a parent of a child, that you are doing everything. I mean, it's up to you to keep them alive. You are feeding them. You are caring for them. You are protecting them. They don't know who you are yet. They're not writing you Mother's Day cards yet. There's no sense of joy yet. And what you're doing is you're laying down your life. You're pouring yourself into someone that can't do anything in return. That's how God loves us. He loves us before we can love him back. In fact, Scripture says that he's loved us before the foundations of this world. Before he spoke all things into existence, he's been loving you. And I've met so many people who, and I know that parenthood isn't something that we all choose, but for some people, they actually choose to make that decision to enter into parenthood. And I've had some of you, you've shared with me, you're like, I know it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be difficult. I know there's going to be disappointment, but it's going to be worth it. I know there's going to be sleepless nights. I know that I'm not going to spend money on the things that I want to because school is so expensive and diapers are so expensive and just children are so expensive. And yet you choose that. That's what God's done for you. He knew not just conceptually, but he knew exactly how I and you have turned our backs on him, how we've disappointed him, how we haven't appreciated him. And yet whether we know him or we don't know him, he loves us and he pursues us. Not just conceptually, but Scripture says that God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, that Christ died for us. What a thought. That with our backs to God, he says, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to demonstrate. I'm going to come and live the perfect life that you can't live. I'm going to bear the pain on your behalf. I'm going to bear the sorrow on your behalf. Isaiah says that he was a man of sorrows and of grief. Jesus spent his entire life without a place to rest his head. He was mocked. He was tortured. He was killed, not as a victim, but victoriously out of love for you and me. What a thought. He was hanging on the cross. He could have called angels down to free him, and he stayed. He stayed on the cross out of love for you. He didn't let you down then. He's not going to let you down now. And there are things that you need. There's things that I need to love people better. He can give you that source of love. Remember, God is a God of love. And we can only love because God first loved us. So if you want your love in your life, to your friends, your family, your coworkers, to your neighbors, to your mom, to your kids, to your family, if you want it to be rich, if you want it to be dynamic, if you want it to be something so much more than just the love that you assign to everything else in life, but if you want it to actually change things, take a long exposure look at God's love. Be part of a small group that studies it. Have a friend that wants to talk through this with you. Hey, I, I, have, I have a doctorate. I am a pastor. I have an MDiv. I have so many questions about this. I'm like, God, what, how does this fit into your love? I've got to have a place where I can ask those questions. So do you. Do you have that in your life? You can today. We've got people who are available even after the service who are going to pray with you up front. We've got a next steps room where you can get connected more. But also, everything we do is framed through this. So as we go out and we serve in this city, as we serve globally, we go with this sense of love. Because remember, we have both in mind, this common grace love where we should be part of loving all people. And because we've been, those of us that have put our faith and trust in Jesus, we've been saved for a purpose. We've been blessed to be a blessing for others. 
So all of our partners in the city, we want to come alongside them, not just to get projects done, not just to pack rice, but to enter into a relationship where that love of God can pour into us and through us, where we can be mutually loved by the partners back to us. And globally as well, you're going to see a video in a little bit about one of our partners in Egypt and how some of our own have developed a relationship over the years. What I love about that is that they're taking a long exposure look, a commitment to transform lives, not just lives, but an entire community, an entire village. You see, we can be part of that whether it's through prayer, whether it's through giving, whether it's through joining some of these trips. In fact, they're going to be available out on the patio right after the service. But on this Mother's Day, on this Sunday, I know I thank God for my mother. I thank God for the many mothers. I thank God that Scripture says that God comforts us like a mother comforts a child. Isaiah 66, 13. And I thank God that we are a community in the highs and lows, in the joy and the grieving, that we can show up and we can go on this journey together, that we can put our arm around each other, that we can weep together, that we can pray for one another, and that we can say, you know what? We don't have all the answers, but we know the one who is the answer, and we're willing to take the time to take a long exposure look at his love. What a thought. The degree that you allow that to penetrate deep in your heart changes everything. Let's pray. God, we thank you as we, gosh, still just get a glimpse. It's nowhere near a long exposure look. But as we take time, even now, as we respond in worship, as we come to your table, God, will we be reminded on this day of your great love for us. That it's not just a feeling, it's not just words, but it's love and action. May that flow to us and through us on this day in Jesus' name, amen.